Hola, and welcome to today's Hola. episode of Eastern Current, where we're going to be talking about Spanish mackerel. We're, we're excited about uh, about this episode, and I'm also excited that I just started uh, a podcast episode without going, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eastern Current, because that's every single one of them. But guys, thanks for checking it out. We've got, we're, we've got a sideways phone over here as well, so you can check it out on Instagram. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that pans out. But there's a lot of people that don't have Facebook that want to watch it as well. Uh, one thing that I've actually learned, if you just Google... They started doing this with uh, since there was so much live stuff going on with the pandemic that if you just Google the Facebook group, so say you just Google Eastern Current, you can click on it and watch a live stream on there even without a Facebook page. So that's nice. pretty cool. Um, so if you're watching on Instagram, that's something you can give, give a shot. But um, yeah, we're going to talk with Ray today about, about Spanish mackerel fishing, but uh, we're excited to be live again with y'all. We haven't done this in a while. We had, what was it, three episodes in a row drop on us because the Wi-Fi was so bad once yeah. this all started. Um, so hopefully bear with us. This will, this will work out and, uh, and, and we'll be able to stay live with y'all for around an hour, but, uh, we're, we're stoked to be here. Yeah, what good? number is this? This is, uh, 58, I think. Yeah. And we got a bunch in the, in the bank ready to go that are, that I've pre-recorded, but 58, uh, 58th episode. So thanks for tuning in. A lot of good info. Some good info. Yeah. If you, if you go back and study it all, you might be able to catch some fish. Hopefully that's kind of the goal. <laughs> But uh, well, Ray, thanks for joining us. No, thank you guys for having me again. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. It's always fun. You're, you're a hot topic, man. <laughs> catching the trout, catching the Spanish. I mean, the I was in Weldon striper fishing, and I was seeing the post that you you have you Spanish. Fish, and I was like, I thought you had to go to Weldon to catch numbers like that this spring. But um, but man, you've been you've been crushing them. So it's been a good year. It's been a good year. The so nearshore far. stuff's been solid yeah. all spring. Like yeah. the bonita, the the Spanish mackerel, the even the like little snake kings are pretty thick right now. I've heard. Mm. And, um, so well, cool. we caught we caught quite a few of uh, legal kings the other day. Did you? Yeah, trolling yeah. trolling Clark spins. I mean, okay. nice ones. Yeah, 25, 26 inches. Yeah, yeah. I right mean, on. you hit them and it's like, okay, it's something different. Yeah, legal king. Nice little bonus, you know. For sure. I don't target them that much, but yeah, yeah. they're there. That's been every year. It's like I get this hankering to like learn to do something new, and this year it's been like live baiting for kings. It's yeah. so different than what I do, but I'm like, that's all I've been thinking about. Is like I yeah. want to do some more live baiting for yeah. king mackerel, but. It's fun to just learn, you know. It's just different than anything I've done. And I think that's what's cool is, like, growing as an angler, like, learning new tactics and new ways to fish for fish is always fun. But, um, Cameron, you went Kobe fishing the other day, right? I did. You caught a yeah. bunch, right? No, Yeah, like 15. Nice. <laughs> no, no, we didn't see any. Um, but any day now, I would think. Yeah, for yeah, sure. any day now. We went. all had a bunch of bait, right? We went the other day. We saw a bunch of bait. We saw a, bunch, a lot of schools of thread fin. Gotcha. Um, but... Couldn't, didn't see any menhaden, um, and this threadfin moves kind of. It was all it was all sharks for us. You know, yeah, we saw a lot of a lot of sharks. Yeah. There was a sharks. school uh, of cobia seen off of New River Inlet uh, a week and a half ago when we were out there. Right on. They were probably another few miles out from where we were fishing, and I was working the bait balls. We were casting to really big Spanish that day, um, but yeah, there was. That's the only ones I've heard of. I haven't seen one myself, but definitely ready for them if they yeah. show up. Definitely. Even in the Outer Banks, I think it's started fairly slow. Yeah, it has. I've seen some good posts from Matt and stuff. They started to get into them a little bit, but nothing crazy. Um, I always get caught with my pants down early, like out there Spanish fishing or something, and they don't have a jig tied up, and yep. one swims by the boat, and you're like, cool. <laughs> Trying yeah. to like reel in a Clark spoon and pitch it over there. I do better in flounder season with them. Yeah. I mean, that's when I see them. When, we're, when, I've got the, when I'm over structure, on the edge of structure, with the trolling motor down, it's calm. And you're jigging for flounder, and you just happen to look back behind the boat, and there's one back behind the boat. Just heading the prop. (laughs) Yep, just looking at it. That's, I mean, it's so, so common to see that. 
So now I'm just, I'm watching the back of the boat while I'm flounder fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm watching the motor pee to make sure it's still <laughs> peeing so I don't overheat, you know. Do they awesome. ever follow the flounder up? I've never seen them. I've never seen them do that. I've seen I've them. I've one like that. I've seen them follow it. Like I remember um, having them, you're putting a bait out and they're trying to get, like, you know, trolling live bait and kings or, or trolling ballyhoo. You're putting the bait out and they'll come up, up from under the boat and try to grab it. And yeah. I've, I've looked at, you know, I pull it up like, oh, no, drop the thing. I pull it up like it's a, a shark. I mean, first yeah, yeah. reaction on a big one yeah. is you see his head first and it's, you, you just pull it up like it's a shark. And, and you look back and it's Kobe and you're dropping it back to him. No, <laughs> no, take it, take it, take it. Oh, I've caught man. I've caught more like that live bait and kings where they've come from under the boat than yeah. I have any other way. You always hear like the first guys that catch them good is like somebody's out live baiting for kings one day. That's how you get like them. Yeah, six, yeah, yeah. like that. We yeah. had a, was it last year that we caught two off Ratsville? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> we caught a, one just blind casting bucktails and just jigging them. Oh yeah, yeah. tell this the story like real quick, and then we'll jump into the, into Spanish. Never seen something like this before. Um, yeah, we were out just like bottom fishing um, on a wreck. And um, right when we set down the anchor, I saw this huge shark swim through the waves. Or like, you know, it's fairly choppy. Big tiger. Huge tiger shark. And to, with two big black flops swimming with it. And I was like, that's Cobia? And then the shark kind of disappeared and we threw out, we had kept a false outcore for some reason. And I think we were gonna keep it for bait. And we kind of cut it up and put it on a string behind the boat. The tiger shark comes up behind the boat and has two cubby just laying on its back. Oh, sick. Judd caught one right at the back of the tiger oh, shark. Oh, wow. Was right sweet. behind the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sweet. <laughs> and the tiger shark came up and ate that false albacore <laughs> and just pulled it off the street. Some of that stuff you only see on occasion. I know, man. That's, that's, a, cool. that's the cool stuff. But, yeah. Uh, well, sweet. Well, let's jump into Spanish mackerel fishing, man. It's uh, it's a really awesome opportunity for people to get out and just catch a bunch of fish and have a fun time, take the family out. and. Um, for those of you that have boats, this is you know great to listen listen to, and, and for those of you that don't, you know you can get an idea of if you if you come out with Ray like what you can do on a day of Spanish mackerel fishing here, and um, so kind of give us you don't need to give us your backstory because you've been on a bunch of podcasts, but let's let's hear about Spanish fishing. Kind of start at the beginning of like all right, the fish get here in the spring. Um, what what's your initial like? You're, I'm going out to look for Spanish mackerel. You yeah. don't know where to go. Well, like, like you I'm were talking about fish. just a minute ago, and I'll get into that. But I mean, without going into a lot of background. Um, what you were talking about a minute ago of, you know, the like change and, um, diversity and I love changing with the seasons. Yeah. You know, I don't want to just fish for one fish. I mean, I got into this because I was bored with what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. the whole point for me is to be able to change with the seasons and go with the flow. And, you know, I mean, just like Martin show up every year and the flowers come up every year. Right. When you know when my martins show up, I'm I'm fishing for a certain fish. I'm, you know that marks this time for me. And back back in the day when the dogwoods would bloom, all right, let's go brim fishing. I mean you yeah. know, oh, yeah. um, but getting back to brim fishing back in the day, I mean that's that's Spanish fishing for me. Yeah, it was something I did as a kid that we learned how to do and put food on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've said this before, like it was a good way to go out and catch a lot of fish for the table. And yeah. we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so but we didn't know it. Yeah. I mean, when you're coming home and eating those and frying them up and yeah. and cooking them, I mean, you know, it was that whole joke. Uh, like we say, wonder what the poor folks are doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we, we lived good. I mean, as mommy say, we're rich. I mean, yeah. we didn't have a dime to our name, but, um, you know, it's, it, I like to change with the season. Spanish is a good fish. I got away from them for a long time. Uh, when I started chartering, 
I realized, hey, you know, the things that I take for granted in fishing, um, sometimes people who have never been, that's something that is enjoyable to them. Definitely. And especially kids or people who lack a lot of skill, you can troll and you can put numbers in the boat. You can send them home with some fish. Yeah. It's a federally regulated species that is in good shape. So you don't have to feel bad about taking a bunch of them. You know, I still mm -hmm. preach conservation, but at the same time, it's not it's not bad to take a limit of Spanish. Yeah. And um, you know, the numbers show that. I mean, we hit them hard every year, and every year they come back. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, when if if there's ever a time where they're in trouble, we'll we'll address it then. But so far, this is our fish right now in North Carolina, especially the spring run. I love it. Um, this first few weeks of it is amazing. Um, you work the bait balls. There's tricks you can do to catch bigger fish and I've learned over the years, there's ways to catch numbers and there's ways to catch big ones. Yeah. And it's two different styles of fishing um, as, a, as a general rule. But um, yeah, it's it's just a great way to, I got into it because it was an easy way to fish, to put a lot of fish in the boat yeah. as a kid. And like I said, when I started chartering, I realized real quick, hey, this is a great way to take people out and Definitely. show them a good time. I mean, that people have never seen the ocean before. Yeah. that they're amazed by it all. You see yeah. sea turtles. The other day we had humpback whales around us. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Just amazing. You know what I mean? And you see some really cool stuff. So to be able to go out and do that in the morning, come back in and drum fish after that or, or flip it around the other way, it just offers some diversity and a trip and a chance to put, um, you know, some, some meat in the box. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, before you get too far into this, David Chalmers, just a few doors down, just commented and he said, he <laughs> tell, said him to walk, tell him to walk down here so I can hey, say, don't hey. give up my secret. <laughs> and so, Chalmers is one that, He yeah. knows where we are right now, so we better be careful. I got to be real careful. No, Chalmers, I'm going to tell you, he's the man, bottom line. He yeah. is the man. He is, like he said, he's the, he's the man that teaches the guides. Yes, and he is. He's taught me a lot, as much as anybody else ever has. He's a great dude, yep. right? Or, or Ch Chalmers, if you uh, if you want to, in, a, in an hour when this ends, I'll buy and hang out with us for a minute. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, well, well, let's talk about tactics. Let's first off talk about um, what you're looking for, like when you go out there, or, or how you're setting up. As far as are you starting right at the inlet? Are you looking for bait first? Are you looking for birds first? And then once you're to that area that you want to fish, like what is your setup? And let's yeah. just talk about a normal the numbers day. game first. Yeah, the numbers game, a normal day. So when I set out in the morning, um, it's all about wind, sea conditions. Um, I have to plan which way can I run. I like to be able to cover ground. So I might go out the south end or the north end, depending on which way the wind's blowing, which way I can make a run easier. I control back into the sea you know, with a rougher sea, but I want to be able to make a run and cover ground mm -hmm. and find bait, mm -hmm. number one. Mm -hmm. So my ultimate goal is to be able to cast on big fish this time of year, but to be able to find them, you have to cover ground to find them. Uh, most of the time, if you get in a general area, that if you've caught them that day before, but we'll, we'll approach it as you're going in for the weekend, you live somewhere else, and you are you come down here Saturday morning, you're, you're going to it. Um, Every day for me, I, you know, people are like, how do you know where to go? I don't. I, don't. I wake up in the morning, I look outside, and I go, okay, <laughs> uh, I might go this way. And I really sometimes don't know which way I'm going to go until five minutes before the trip. You usually go both ways, don't you? I go, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, no. It was uh, just too much, too easy of a setup. Uh, you got me on that one. But uh, no, I'm definitely one way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, back into yeah, it. Back into it. All right, so yeah, uh, so the um, 
Yeah, poke out the inlet in the morning. All right, so you poke out, and what am I looking for? So the biggest thing I'm looking for is like anything else. Just like you're fishing for drum, trout, anything. Yeah. Find the bait, find the fish. That's the most important thing. You have to poke out and find the bait, number one. Right. So how do you find the bait? I mean, that's real particular, too. Um, you can run and look for bait schools if you just want to catch big fish. But what I do is I set out trolling gear right off the bat. I mean, why, you know, I can cover ground at 6.2 mile an hour and look for bait and my bottom machine's reading good and I can see what's going on. So what I do is I get out past the tide line usually. I'm not going to, you're going to have a little bit of dirty water right there in the inlet. Mm -hmm. That tide line is really, um, really important because a lot of times all those bait fish are getting pushed out that inlet. And everything's going to stack on that tide line in that clean water. And I'll zigzag back and forth through it. Sometimes I'll run the clean side. There's days where they'll bite on the dirty side better with a gold spoon. We'll get into that later. Um, That's not often, but it does happen. Um, But I'm going to that tide line, number one. Bottom line, that's where I'm going to go, and that's where I'm going to start. And I'm looking on the surface of the water constantly. I'm not worried about in the boat. I put the gear out, and I'm looking at my machine I'm looking at the horizon. I'm looking for birds. Birds, uh, you know, pelicans are going to be diving on bigger bait, uh, menhaden, thread fins, the bigger stuff, um, and the little small glass minnows and everything that the Spanish like. Uh, you know, your numbers are going to be, it's going to be turns and smaller seagulls and smaller bait picking off the top. I really love those small turns that just hover and just pick. I mean, those are yeah. money. When you see them just lock up, when they lock up and they just stall, I, I'm going to catch a fish there. Yeah. Like, I'm going to. And same, I'm going right to that spot. Same type of thing you're looking for when you're fishing for false albacore. Every, it's the same deal. False albacore, bonita, they're all the same thing. Um, Spanish are usually a more, little more widespread. The schools aren't as packed, you know, tightly. Yeah. But, um, or they are, but they'll be more, it's, it's stragglers all around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can catch them in between. But so what I do, I go out, set out the, I set out three lines. I saw a troll. I don't troll five. I did for a while. And then I learned, well, keep moving until I find where three lines is too much. And I'm bailing them so fast that we're down to two lines. Yeah. Because you can't ever get that third line out. <laughs> as soon as you set two. The third is your middleman that just keep getting it, swapped out. It just, it's like it, you put it up. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not in them that thick, I'm going to keep moving. But I go out, I find birds, I find bait by trolling. And all of a sudden, what I do, I mean, it's real simple. I hit two fish. If I get one, I don't really mark it. If I I see a bait ball and I hit one, I'll make another pass through there and see what happens. If I don't get another fish or only hit one, I keep rolling. But I I note that depth of water. And so I'm going to zigzag my depth. And, you know, I really like between 19 and 23 foot of water. That seems to be your, your money. The other day was uh, 30 foot. But, I mean, every day is different. Yeah. And, and if you can, so you have to really pay attention to, okay, the bait is in, let's say, 19 foot of water. You want to, you want. I'll make a mark. I'll do a man overboard on my machine. I'm going to make a couple passes around that, kind of feel it out. Then I'm going to keep going down that same depth. But I'm going to zigzag back and forth. And if I'm zigzagging back and forth, and all of a sudden, boom, I hit 19 foot again, I see another school of bait, and then I get a double, mm-hmm. I'm going to mark that. And most of the time, that's how it works out. Or you'll see, okay, you get, that was a random fish in 19, and then now I'm in 21 foot of water, and I hit a double. Yeah. And then I'm in 21 foot of water, and I hit a triple. 
with bait. And then I hit another triple with bait on that 21 foot line. Mm -hmm. And then you run out of the fish and you turn around and come back through there. And what you'll see is you'll make four or five marks and you'll just come back. And every time you come across those marks, you're telling your clients, all right, get ready. They're coming right now. Bam, bam, bam. And it's that predictable. As wow. soon as you see the bait, the lines come through it, you're hooked up. And so from there, each bait ball, I'll mark them as they move. Okay. So depending on which way the wind's blowing, I may, you know, they're going to come down the beach. Usually they're rolling north this time of year. So, but they're going to stay in that same depth, which is kind of cool. So <clears throat> as long as you hover that 21 foot or 19 foot or whatever depth they're in, that bait's going to kind of roll down that 21 foot line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of keeps you in the ballpark. So what I'll do is I'll go back over the bait ball and where I made my mark, I'll zoom in. And then I'll say, okay, well, I'm not marking them where I just marked them. What's great is when they stay and they're on structure yeah. and they stay where you marked them. But let's say they move uh, 75 yards when you come back uh, to the to the northeast. I mark it again and I mark it again every time I come over them. And then you all of a sudden you'll see, okay, that bait is moving in this time period, this distance. Mm -hmm. So I need to, and they're moving this way or that way. So I need to adjust my my troll through that line oh. based off of are they moving inward or outward and all those schools will move kind of the same way which is kind of cool yeah, it's easy definitely, definitely. um but that's how you would that's that's your numbers game like so if you keep running 21 foot and they're moving on an outward path all these schools that you marked in this line well then you need to keep moving over with them yeah and so that's how i kind of gauge how fast they're moving you know, mm -hmm. um, are they just kind of hovering or are they moving, rolling? Yeah. And so there's times where you'll you'll run a mile track, you know, uh, in a certain area. And by the end of the trip, you're a mile and a half or two miles down the beach on those three pods of bait still running them. Yeah, by that's crazy. You see what I'm saying? So if you've got it, if it's that mile is on your GPS here, at the end of the day, it's, it's here. Yeah. And you're doing that same thing down here. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep making marks and keep moving with them. Keep watching the birds, and at a certain point, when the sun comes up, they'll come to the top where you can see them, and you can just watch for them on the on the surface and yeah. follow them. I but, think that's such a cool piece of information there because I feel like a lot of people trolling, you know, if it's structure oriented, like you said, it doesn't matter because they're staying on the structure. But when you're not on structure and you start hitting fish on the beach, it's like you know you get into that bite on the Spanish or the albies or anything like that. And you're like, keep kind of hanging out in that area yeah. and, and, yeah. and it slows down. But Nita, I focus more on structure. Right. And I'll stay around structure, but I'll find bait near structure. Right. And I'll do that same tactic, find out how far they're moving and try to stay on those bait. I'll mark them a few times to kind of see, okay, this is the line they're moving on. And that helps you when you lose them to intercept them again. That's yeah. interesting. It puts yeah. you in a place that's where huge. you can zigzag and find them again. And that's... That goes from like, so you'll, instead of having an hour where you're trolling in this spot mm -hmm. and you're not picking them up again to you're actually putting yourself in that position where those fish are again really quick yeah. and you're maximizing your time when you've got four hours and people are paying you, it, it makes sense to maximize your time That's and funny. pay attention to where the bait's going. And when you can't see them, I mean, with side scan on that Simrad, I, here's the thing. I mean, I, I gotta say it's cheating. Um, I do use chirp to see yeah. what I want to get over top of them. And with that chirp uh, machine, I want to see red bait balls. I don't want to see wispy blue bait when they're packed up tight, the yeah, menhaden and thread, the red. 
and you'll see blue marks off the side. That's your Spanish or Bonita have got a, a wavy mark, which is really cool. And with the side scan, I can see a football field on from my boat out. I can see 150 feet, you know yeah. what I'm saying, both sides. So I can see a bait ball if they're – so let's say I, I'm looking for them again and I lose them. Mm -hmm. I can see them 100 feet to 180 feet off of the right or left of my boat the way I've got it dialed in. Yeah. And you'll see this little cloud off the side. It's like, okay, they're 180 feet over there. I can, I can – and I can also mark it. I can – 180 feet to the side or 150 feet, I can see that cloud hit – I can push my finger on that and it puts me an X on the screen on my map where to go. I turn around, run through it, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I mean, I'm blind without that Simrad. I yeah, mean, I'm get, not sponsored by them or nothing, but I have, you know, I've gone back to, my boat was down for a while, and I used the old school Garmin again on a couple trips, and man, it was like, oh. That's tough. Yeah, you know. Really? It's, uh, even speckled trout fishing with you with that side scan, man. It's, like, it's crazy uh, what it can do for. for well, it's fine. It sure. helps you find bait, and yeah. find, find the right kind of bait, and you'll actually see yeah. the trout on it, which is cool. Um, doesn't, doesn't mean they're going to bite, but you'll see them. <laughs> but finding the bait for trout fishing, it, it's it's a huge, huge. deal. Yeah. yeah, That's interesting, too, because it, I've been fishing for Spanish for, like, since I was a kid. And it's always, you know, just mainly just a few times a year. But it's always just like, all right, let's take the boat out and go to the inlet, troll around. Well, and that's what's cool about it. You, but you can't. Yeah. And you can yeah. just, you can wander aimlessly and you'll catch them. But if you want to get numbers and really dial them in, you gotta use your electronics, you gotta use your eyes and look. I mean, if you just used your eyes, the birds will actually give you more information than what the Simrad does mm -hmm. yeah. some days. Some days, definitely. I mean, so I have to watch constantly. Yeah. I mean, I wanna see what's going on. I'm constantly watching. I'm watching 360 degrees nonstop yeah. around, like you're in a dove field looking for a dove. Yeah coming to you it's, it's that same thing it can happen anywhere you're kind of like okay man, make sure they're not over there make sure they're not. yeah i mean well it's cool just because I mean, i've also been out when you don't catch anything and yeah. you know that they're there uh, yeah, so they can just, be tough sometimes man they, they really can be tough yeah but, you know that's that's an interesting uh way to do it it, it really it is makes a lot of sense yeah so i mean so when i set out <clears throat> obviously i'm a troll first um i've, I've set up my basic setup as a number two planer I like to get a number two close to the boat. I'll put a number one midway out. And then I've got what they call a meat rig on top. Um, don't overthink it. Do it just like a Carolina rig, but with a longer leader. I'll use a barrel weight with a bunch of swivels on it. Um, you know, good swivels are your friend in this game. If you use cheap swivels, you're constantly having tangles and, yeah. and knots and whatnot. But um, yeah, basic setup is a Clark spoon tied on with, um, I use 30 pound mono. If it's real tough and they're not wanting to bite, the water's super clear, I'll go down to 20 pound fluorocarbon at times. Yeah. I try not to do that often because it's expensive and it's not necessary, but there's times where I've gone from catching one to three at a time by going to 20 pound fluorocarbon. Yeah. Very, very random on that one, but it, it's water clarity. You gotta look mm -hmm. at your, if it's super clear and it's super sunny and it's really tough, I will switch up on one line to 20 pound fluorocarbon and just see what happens. And, um, but I'm also, you know, I'm marking stuff. If I see a mark and I see what I want to see, a red ball of bait, and I know there's Spanish around it, and I pull through it and I don't get anything, and I hit two more schools and I don't get anything, 
that's, you know, I mean, 20 minutes into the ball game in the morning. So you find your bait, find your fish, you're marking bait. Let's say they're not biting. Okay, what do you do? Well, that's where you've got to change your colors. So my basic setup is a, a number two planer, number one planer, meat rig on top. Meat rig is just a barrel weight with, and I run 24 uh, foot liters. I pull off like, I don't know, four, like four or five arm lengths. Arm lengths. Yeah. So whatever that is for me, you can measure me at the end of this and we can give them a definite, <laughs> but four or five arm lengths. Uh, buddy asked me the other day, he said, how tall are you? I said, I don't know. And uh, he said, well, it's on your license. I said, well, they never measured me. They just asked, you know, so whatever that is, right. four or five of those, that's what I do. Gotcha. Uh, 30 pound mono or 20 and, and fluorocarbon when it's tough. I'll, I'll get it. You'll get bite offs on 20 pound, but it makes a difference some days. And when people are paying you, you got to do what you got to yeah, do to definitely. put fish in the boat. So um, uh, Clark spoons, uh, different sizes. I use them all. Um, I use all double all size one. Those are my normal. Uh, I, I like to run a big pink down close on the number two and I'll stagger them. So if you're looking at the back of the boat, okay, so let's just say I'm facing, you're looking at me right now and I'm looking off the back of my boat as I'm traveling forward and I'm gonna set my lines out. I'm gonna set a number two off the port side and I'm gonna set it close, um, like right in the prop wash to start with. And How many feet back from the stern of the boat? From the stern of the boat, probably, uh, judging distance. Uh, it's hard to tell with that angle. It's is. hard to tell with that angle, but let's just say 50 feet. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, and then, you know, my, 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 one might be 60, 70 yards back. I yeah. don't think it's that far. My meat rig, I wouldn't say it's that far back. Sometimes I run it way back. Yeah. When the water's clear, sometimes I'm running everything back farther. But you have to remember with planers, the farther you run them back, the deeper they're going to go. Right. Mm -hmm. So I will switch up on days where they're biting up to two number two, two number one planers. So I like that number two because it's it's going down deeper but I'm not running it so far back that it's really down deep. So yeah. I'm never really fishing super deep for them. So I got it close to the boat with a big, I usually run a big pink on that. That's okay. my, I call it my picture fish rig. You <laughs> tend to catch the bigger fish on that, closer yeah. to the boat on that number two. And those are the fish that are, are nice. And those are your, I call it, it's the picture rig. Yeah. It always produces the bigger fish. Um, not always, but most of the time. On my number one, I'm going to go on the starboard side, and I put a number one out, and I want it about twice as far out as mm -hmm. that one is. So I'm going to run it 100 feet back or 75 feet back. Now, so what you end up with is you've got a two pull in here, a one pull in here, and then a meat rig here. So you've got you're covering all you're covering the water column. Yeah. One, two, with three lines. If you've got if you want to put out two lines on the outside of that, you can. Um, you know, put a mackerel tree up top, you know, kind of midway, not as far back as your mid as your meat rig, but midway back off. If you've got some uh, outriggers or something, run mm -hmm. one out. Um, that's a good trick. Those, uh, those Spanish um, trees, man, those things are killer. It's little small squids, little train of small squids. Yeah, it's yeah. our tube, surgical tube, yeah, and they make them a different. Now, I don't use them, and I'll tell you why I don't use them, because they work too good. Now, that might sound stupid coming from a charter <laughs> captain, but when you talk about a fish that, is coming over the side of the boat with the sharpest teeth and can cut you. Now let's say you got four of them on. The first time I used one, I caught four fish on it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. 
But then I had four flopping <laughs> sets of teeth and two swinging hooks yeah. doing this number. And I said, yeah, like, swinging them into the gunnel trying to get And that was not, yeah. Yeah. for me, I was like, let me just stick to one Clark spoon and it's safe. Yeah. And I can bail them over just as quick with that. Um, but those things do work. So if you're out there by yourself and you got time and you're not on a crunch with a charter and you have to keep slinging fish to, you know, to make sure they get enough fish. Those things are awesome, yeah. and uh, they did work a few times when when nothing else was. But um, I run you a mostly big, fish those on the surface. Or are you putting a weight? Um, no, I run them on a number one planer. Oh, on a number one planer, and I will fish them on the surface too. Yeah. But you can fish them however. Put yeah. them on. I so far number one planer this year has been working great That's with sweet. them, and I did use them a couple times when fishing was slow, and ended up catching. Uh, I mean, a triple on the thing, and couldn't get anything on the two Clark spoons. So. I will say that yeah, like they, they have their they have their moment. But if you don't want to catch too many fish, don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're dangerous. I mean, it's just bottom line: be careful. And if you're going to fish those things, wear a glove. I mean, yeah. you know, be careful with it because it's a lot of a lot of sharp, pointy things coming at you at one time. <laughs> How many hooks does it have on it? Uh, I think it's four or five. I don't, I've only used them a few times. And it's just year. a string. I've never even seen one of these. Things. Yeah, it's, it's just, just a, a it's, squids. They're all in line. Yeah, I guess like there's surgical tubing ones and whatnot. But yeah, it just looks like a little string of bait fish. I started I started to bring one, but yeah, either way. But my two go tos right now are Clark spoons. Um, I mean, uh, you can't beat a Clark spoon in a planer. Yeah. And if I'm casting, I've I've kind of strictly big Nick's jigs. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's all I that's all I carry anymore. Sure. I mean, because they work. Yeah. And yeah. diamond jigs. And I, I carried a lot of stuff forever, and that's all I use now. But but yeah, I'm trolling around. I'm looking for bait. I'm marking. I'm making a lot of marks when I catch fish, and I'm hitting those marks again. And what you'll find is if you keep going over those marks where you hit fish. Um, you're going to boom, 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 boom. You're going to get a triple, a double, a triple, a double, a triple. Instead of just randomly driving around, oop, caught one, oop, caught one, you're going to be boom, 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 boom. You're going to be putting numbers in real yeah. quick like that. And that is that is all it is. That's the only trick. And I only run three lines. And if I'm not in the fish thick enough where three line, where I've got to run five, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Or they're just not feeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I'll... But I'm constantly changing colors. If you're in dirty water, um, if the water's a little dirty... Um, go to those gold uh, Clark spoons, and I like to run three different sizes. I usually put a big one down, mid-size in the mid-column, and a small one up top. Now, if I find they're mainly feeding up top, I'm going to switch my number two planer to a number one and run two number ones, but you stagger them so that when you turn, you cannot have them out the same distance, or when you turn, they're going to they're gonna bump. If you put one in close and one out far, they will be different depths. Yeah. And you know, swing across each other, and they'll swing across. Everything will do this right here, just like. And you yeah. can turn. I can turn on a dime and not tangle up. Yeah. Um, when the when the conditions are a little rougher, you need to put a lot more distance between everything because mm-hmm. they will still tangle. But most of the time, uh, it's not a problem at all. But uh, yeah, so I'll, and, and if I'm not if I'm going through bait and I'm not hitting them, I'm going to change up to a green, chartreuse, pink, different sizes on. So if it's just a tough day, I'm pulling in my meat rig. I'm putting a big one up top. I'm putting a gold one up top, big and small. You know, every few minutes I'll pull them in and I'm changing my color on all three depths to see. And it won't take you long. All of a sudden, there's been a lot of days where, you know, the day before it was dirty water and we're running golds and that's all we were catching them on. You go back out the next day and it cleans up a little bit, but it's still kind of dirty looking to you. And... You're running golds, nothing, and you put one pink on, boom, 
Yeah. All right. Well, let me throw one on that. Do your doubles. Let me throw one up top, and then you're tripled up. Yeah. I mean, it's you got to change constantly. You can't just be you can't be complacent. Yeah. You know, and and like I say, this when I didn't charter and I just fished for fun, it was a different story. I'd just go out there and just pull them around and whatever. Yeah. But when you you've got to, people on yeah. the boat and they're paying you to catch a fish, you got to be busy and you got to be changing up and you got to be figuring them out and. You know, I my first Can't couple of years. <laughs> well, I mean, really, that's I mean, high pressure is what challenged me to figure all that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what it was. I mean, I was kind of a lazy fisherman, Spanish fishing back. Then. It was a enjoyable. Let's just go out there and cruise, and I can go out there and catch four or five, just cruising around, not caring, knowing I could catch fifty if I just changed it up. Yeah, by myself, you know. But I'm just riding, looking for bait. On my days off sometimes to see where the bait is see what's going on and you know because i don't want to go out there and bail them non-stop i want to break but um <laughs> you so, want to just check on them make but sure i've had days there. where it's like you're frustrated and you've got people looking at you like oh you just killed them yesterday what's up and yeah. so i'm i'm pulling them in i'm changing and uh you know i mean that's stuff and, and to give uh credit to like uh captain john millet i mean i made it for him my first couple years of, of chartering he was nice enough to allow me to mate on my days off and a lot of that, you know, that I do now, even inshore fishing, a lot of it, uh, like in the charter realm, came from him. I mean, that guy, he's amazing. I mean, he's, if something ain't working, he's back there, okay, change this, do this, put this on. Do, and the constant changing for your clients and working hard for them, I learned that from him. Yeah. I had never been on a charter in my life, and I started a charter business. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. John taught me. <laughs> <laughs> So that's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about casting. Do, yep. do you always, or do you only really cast when you see the fish on the surface? Or are you casting uh, um, and letting it sink on those bait balls and jigging it all? So kind of both. Um, the nature of the business dictates how you fish. Yeah. Uh, some, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, so there's times where I'm going to just troll to get numbers in the boat because that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some clients the other day that have gone with me quite a bit and I love them and they're like, we're not, we don't want to troll, we want to cast. And I was like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> and so, and they did not want to troll. So I, and I like trolling to find them. I said, well, let's troll to find them yeah. and mark the bait and let me get them dialed in. And they're like, we don't want to troll. And I said, all right, this will be fun. <laughs> and I was digging it. Like, let's do, cause that's yeah. how I'm going to fish, you know? I'm usually casting to them or throwing a fly ride at them if I'm out there on my day off. But um, I said, okay, let's do that. And so we rode around for about 20 minutes and I marked the bait and found them. And I went ahead and made my marks without catching any fish trolling because I was just, but it was flat, it was calm, it was pretty. And I marked a few schools of bait and they weren't up yet. You know, we didn't have any bait on the surface. And I got in that line and I set a drift and I shut the motor off and shut everything off so we could be quiet. And we drifted through what the bait balls which were about 15 foot down and i think i mean we killed it i mean yeah. that was one of the pictures that i sent you i mean it was yeah. you know casting and i and so we ran that line and it was every two or three minutes we had a fish just yeah. casting yeah. to them and not uh, on the surface letting them sink down and working it no nah, just bring them across the surface, across I mean, the surface yeah, yeah i mean and and doing a little bit of both i said very retrieve every cast until we figure them out yeah and all of us were casting and we would let them sink, and then what we found is just burn them across the top, normal. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. We started pecking at them. And then from there, I said, all right, well, you know, we had 25 in the boat, I think. I said, let's let's go 
let's cover some ground and let's find a bait ball. And that was getting towards afternoon. And so we went north and I went looking for bait balls. We ran about four miles and ran up on the Holy Grail. Dark bait ball, you know, uh, big bird, you know, the, the pelicans diving on them. Little birds on the edge. I mean, it was on. It was what you wanted. And so when you're doing that, all right, talking about casting, you don't bust up into the middle of it. Right. You stay off it for a while and you watch it. Um, I like to be on the upwind side of it. And what I do is back troll. You know, I get upwind from it. So let's say you got a southwest wind, which is dynamite. This day we actually had a, a northwest wind. So... You know, and I don't get many great days on a northwest like this, usually a southwest wind when they're feeding like that. But bottom line is, if the bait school's here and the wind's blowing this way, you want to be up on this side of them. So when you talk about, you know, boat handling and trying to control a boat and where the pivot point of a boat is, you don't want your boat pointing straight into the wind. As soon as the wind blows you, you're boom, you're this way, you're that way. Where if you just go upwind from them and put your boat in reverse, It'll hold you just up from the school, yeah. out of casting distance, just out of casting distance, because you don't want people casting the school, snagging the bait constantly. But it'll hold you right there, and all you've got to do, if as the bait moves down the bank, just turn your wheel to the right a little bit, and the boat will just kind of cruise and just hover. And you just take it out of reverse if they get out of range and ease up there, bump it back in reverse, and that holds you upwind from the school. And I stay a good cast distance away from them. If you run into them, you screw up the whole thing. Like all that's going down, Mother Nature is doing her thing, leave it alone. Stay yeah. away from it. Do not run through it. Um, I will troll around the edge of a school and pull my baits kind of off the edge. But that's where the, that, talking about the big fish, that's where the big fish come from, mm -hmm. is casting into the bait balls of big bait. Because yeah. they're feeding on that big bait. And one thing you can do is snag them in, Hayden, pull them off the edge of the school, and you'll watch them right under the surface and pow, you see those big ones come up and hammer it. And you pick big fish off like that. Um, the uh, A better way to do it is to snag one, pull him to the boat, hook him on a, a, a piece of metal, you know, copper wire with yeah. the, um Because you get a lot of cutoffs like that with those mm -hmm. big fish. They'll hit your lure and, and cut it off. So I like to bring them in, put them on a piece of metal, chunk them back out, and then hook them up that way. But most of the time, just throw them Spanish candies right on the edge of the school and burn them and those big fish are going to pick it up right off the edge of the school yeah. and i'll work the upwind and downwind side but you know we sat there for i think four hours straight that day and it was every cast for four hours non-stop on one school God, day that's fun. and i mean literally every i had three i was that your boat was disgusting oh it's, <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 nasty yeah and you know i'm, I'm sitting there with the watch there was a there yeah, was you a, gotta wash down. There was a point where I backed it off, and the guys were like, "I think you're a little too far back." And I said, "I know I am. I need a break. Give me a second. <laughs> they just laughed. You know, I said, "We've been doing three at a time for an hour and a half." I said, "Give me a second. Let me hose this thing down." I said, "Let's get everything ironed out, and we'll go back to it." You know, but um, and I had to count fish too. I mean, we were getting. You know, I, I knew we were close to a limit, and I said, "Let me let me make sure we're legal." That's sweet. But I mean that's that's you know if you if you bust through them though you mess up that whole natural thing that's mm -hmm. going on you screw it up yeah and and it's over with you know that I see people do that all the time false albacore fishing is getting super close to that school of bait and then gone yeah 
We just had a question come in. It said, Ray, any any uh, concern pulling the number one planer right next to the pink spoon on the number two planer? No. I mean, number two and number one, you don't run them. No, you don't run them right next to each other. So when I was showing this, I'm trying to show, like, th these are my lines coming off the back of the boat. They're not, um, they're not, they're staggered. Yeah. One so my number two, let's, let's say I'm the back of the boat. My number two is here. My number one is way out here. And then my meat rig is way out here. So not only are you staggering them by depth that they'll run, you're also staggering them by distance from the back of the boat. Yeah. And you will have zero problems. Your meat rig is the It's on top. Step. It's on top, down the middle. You know, and I, I that, run... That's on a trolling weight, you said? Yeah, I run the meat rig on the same side as my short. Okay. I don't run my meat rig. Okay, so I've got my number two here, my number one here. The meat rig is going to go over the number two. Okay. Because if that number one pops up, it will come up. You'll hook a fish. It'll go up into that line from the number one. Gotcha. Or, num or the uh, meat rig. Mm -hmm. That that line's dangling down in the water, and yeah. it'll wrap around that sometimes. So I like to keep that. That is important, actually. I like to keep that meat rig over top of my number two. So when that number two pops, it's so close to the boat it that matter. it doesn't matter. It's out of play. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Um, Another another thing too to think about is um, the rods that you're using to troll. Is is there a specific um, you know setup that you like to use on trolling for Spanish? Yeah, I mean I like and the, the reels. The TLD 15s. I like lever drags for planers. Yeah, uh, hands down, those are the probably the best reel in my opinion ever made. Um, even you know I'm using top of the line stuff for trout fishing, Shimano CI four pluses, and they're a headache. They're the best thing, in my opinion, out there, but they're the biggest headache. I mean, with the yeah. washers you've got to replace, um, you know, and the, the the bearings in the line roller bearings, constantly mm -hmm. replacing those. But the TLD-15s um, are like the old school pins, in my opinion, where they just work and work and work yeah. and work. The harder I beat them, the more they just work the same yeah. all the time. <laughs> so I run two TLD-15s, and I've got a Speedmaster with just a regular lever that I for my meat rig. I like to just pop that. But with the with the um with the planers, just trust me on this. Get a TLD fifteen. I run twenty pound mono and that's a you know I can run that for King Macro live baiting too. Yeah. Dual purpose setup. But the nice thing about the lever drag is you you just push it back and you can set your planer and set it back yeah. easily yeah. and put it and I like to set it where you know, that planer will pull off just a hairline if I'm running too fast. So, you know, when you're back there working on the back nonstop, I can't watch the machine. I'm just looking backwards, bailing fish. If I start seeing my number two pulling a little line off where I've got it set, I know I'm running too fast. That's, and I mean, I'll that's reach back setting. and I'll pop the throttle back just a hair and I'll be like, okay, I'm at seven knots instead of, you know, five point. Yeah. I like to run 5.5 .5 to 6.2. Okay, sweet. Uh, that, that's six point two being my magic number for me. Six point two. Yeah. I think I was getting it like five six the other day. It was pretty good. I was five little, five was good the other day for five, me. Five was good the other day for, for you. some reason. I mean, I was catching big fish. Yeah. At five five the other day, uh, all big fish. So if you if you've got people that can't cast, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you know you're catching them on the planer, but all of a sudden the fish are on the surface. Mm -hmm. What what's your set your setup that you switch to um, if you're just going to troll to them? Um. What do you mean? Like, like so are you going to pull the planers out and just throw like... If they're coming up on top where we can cast to them? But I'm saying if you, if you got guys that can't cast right, um, and, and it's going to be a headache, do you swap it up or do you still keep trolling the same thing? No, they're going to they're gonna learn to cast. Real quick. <laughs> they're going to cast. I like it. Casting lessons are going down. <laughs> and I, I very rarely have it where 
when you have that kind of mayhem going on, you can't hook them. People tend to learn really quick. Yeah. That's <laughs> Especially I've if you had throw some days, out though, and, man, where it's like, oh man, uh, you yeah. got to get the jig yeah. out there a little bit. I think, I, yeah, it was one of my first charter experiences where I took somebody out and they casted a top water plug and it went straight in the air and come down and landed right on my head and hooked me in the head. That was like oh. one of my first trips, my first week You're of charter. Like, I love this job. Was a hook in the head. <laughs> and I said, well, and I remember just grabbing the pliers and just yanking. And I said, all right, well, let's regroup here. And we sat up there. And I've never had anybody that I couldn't in 30 minutes or so have them cast in somewhat proficiently. And with Spanish, when they're on like that, when I'm going to cast to them, you don't have to be the best caster. You don't have to be a good caster. I mean, you just just get it out there and crank as fast as you can. It's it's not like working the trout lure where, you know, all you have to do is cast and pull as fast as you can. That's it. And... Where trout fishing, you've got to work a shrimp this way or a mirror lure this way. And still f- keep tension so you can feel the bite. Yeah. yeah. You might have been, been yeah. eaten five times and you have no clue. It's not as critical. Yeah. It's not as critical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about fly fishing. We've got a bunch of people that like fly fishing on here. Um, and and that's it's a fun way to catch them, too. And and you can catch them when they're not on the surface mm-hmm. of a fly rod with sinking line, which is still fun. But, but for me, it's like, and I, it's like if they're not on the surface, I'm probably not going to throw the fly rod mm-hmm. to them. Um, and it's, it's a great way to go out with clients that, I mean, a lot of times what I do is I'll bring my guys that really want to get into saltwater fishing, but they might not have quite what it takes to go sight fish to redfish. Yeah. Um, and you can get them out there if they can throw it, you know, 25, 30 feet, you can usually get a couple Spanish mackerel and clouser minnows. I usually use 30 pound fluorocarbon for, for my leader there and you'll wear through it a little bit after a few fish, but cause those clousers are just so yep. little. Um, do you when you when you fly fish for them? What's your what's your setup? You like to run? Um, and I I've, I'm kind of new to the game yeah. with fly fishing. Um, buddy Mike got me into it, set me up, helped me out. Mike up guard. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike. and it was one that was one I didn't want to I didn't want to get in the middle of. Um, I knew it was going to be money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now I, I originally got into fly fishing just so I could cast a certain type of lure to trout in August in the river on top water. Yeah. That's why I started it. And then I wanted to, um, and Andy uh, Boyd, uh, we had caught a bunch of trout one morning and went out uh, fly fishing for false albacore. We had already had a limited trout. We went out and he had a five weight in the boat and we caught a bunch of false albacore. And that kind of, that ruined me that day. I mean, laying it down there, stripping it, watching a false albacore hit it by the boat on a five weight a big one and peeling it off oh gosh on a five weight it ruined me i mean it, it did it ruined me and it was really cool and uh so i mean the next week i was buying fly rods mm-hmm. and but i've just got my setup for drum i've got an eight weight i've got a few eight weights that are that i've got that i use for everything um i'm not a fly fisherman per se i love it um but i and i and i've and i do do it a lot by myself but um for spanish i just run a pink and yellow clouser i tie them up just simple clouser um i don't get too crazy with it um i use floating line i've got one with sinking line um and i do the i think uh what is it 40 30 20 yeah to taper it, yeah, mm-hmm. forty, and then yeah, you're more dedicated than I am. But, I'm even taper leaders. But I mean, it, I said, "What do you do, Mike?" He right. said, "Do 40, 30, 20. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "That's it." He's like, "Don't ever think," and that was it. And so I just blood knot them together. Yeah. Um, I do a twenty pound on the end with a clouser, and put it out there and strip it as fast as you can. And yeah. there are days where 
that fly is is killer. I mean, you I know, know, just like with trout fishing, um, it's got its moment when nothing else works. That Definitely. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see the, the retrieve on a fly, especially clouds or minnow, gets bites when a lot of other stuff doesn't. Like I, when I was just up in Weldon and the fish are shut down, you're marking thousands of them yeah. on your screen and you throw a fly rod in there. Like I'll have guys that are fishing jigs and you can't get yeah, that. Yeah. And you throw a fly rod in there and it's like first cast fish on. Well, you, you know? got to have the conditions. It's got to be have calm. The and we haven't had that this year. We've had 30 knot winds constantly every yeah. day for months. But uh, <laughs> I've I've carried the fly rod just about every trip. We just hadn't been able to yeah. have been hadn't have not been able to use it. But uh, you know, as far as casting goes, with the other things too, I will say, you know, don't forget the old school gotcha plug. I don't use them much anymore. Um, Big nicks, the old school diamond jigs have their place as well um, because they're heavier. Yeah, you can throw them farther. They sink faster. So when I'm in a school of Hayden, if you know, there's times where the big Nick's kind of ride the top. He's got heavier ones, but I tend to use uh, one size that I really like um, and certain colors that I really like. But those diamond jigs will sink down super fast. They'll shoot right through yep. the school, and then you start ripping them. So those diamond jigs are killer sometimes, and then uh, the epoxy jigs. Yeah, epoxy uh, If you can find those, they're hard to find now, mm-hmm. but they've got that shimmer to them and that lifelike they look. They look so much like a baby fish. That, that oh, does yeah, give you an advantage. Certain day, and they're that's light, the yeah. thing. Yeah. They ride the top better. So, yeah. And the other thing that I will use is a um, regular blue water candy head and a clear or blue clear um, grub Yeah, mm-hmm. when they're real finicky. And that tends to be like when you catch them on a fly, mm-hmm. and a fly is working better than anything else. That's that, a good that, backup. That um, yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you've got guys that just want to cast, you better have all that stuff, and you for better sure. make sure it's handy. Yeah, on the trips that I've run, just fly fishing trips for Spanish, I make sure I throw a sinking line in there too, because yeah. you'll get out there some days, and you're, you know, yesterday they were on the surface like crazy, and then you get out there the next day, and there's not a single fish on the surface. And if you can mark those schools, and the, the, the rough, you know, kind of estimate I give people, um, you can, when you buy sinking line, it's going to tell you how quickly that line will sink, like X amount of inches or feet per second. Mm-hmm. But I always just tell people, just go an inch a second. You know you're down where you need to be. Um, and if you, you're marking that bait, like Ray was saying, you can set up a drift to drift through those fish and throw that fly line out off the side of the boat, count it down, strip it in, you'll, you can catch fish just like that without them being on the surface. And had to do that before obviously the the casting to the blitzing fish on the surface makes it a lot more fun but but uh, if you if you're really dedicated to go out there and try to catch some spanish and some big spanish on the fly rod that's a great way to do it is with the sinking line um look over here and see if we have more questions brian saunders just said have y'all ever trolled a saltwater umbrella rig for spanish it's a freaking killer blue water candy has yes they are great they are great yeah they are great it's like another headache once you get them in the back it's another one of those (laughs) they work too good so yeah check them out like if you want yeah for real um, especially, I, I put stuff like that on slow days. Yeah. When it's really tough, I'm putting out those umbrella. I just started using the umbrella rig this year. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see how it did, and we had four fish. <laughs> four like, fish on at once. Yeah, I was like, no, I can't do this. So, uh, yeah, they work. Uh, try them. Uh, yeah, blue water candy. It's on good a, on the planer as well. Yeah, you can run it on a planer or run it on top. The yeah. umbrella rigs, I put, I run up top. Um, you know, just behind a little bit of wave, just let it work on the top. Um, but it, I haven't tried it. It will probably work fine behind a planer. I don't know if it'll trip. I didn't even try it behind a planer. It'll probably mm-hmm. work fine. They're so new to me. Um, and like I said, the uh, the ones the what do they call them the 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 tree Spanish mackerel, yeah. mackerel trees. Mm-hmm. Um, those I run behind a number one planer or up top or number two planer. I'll put them on my planers with my leader. And you know, some of them you can put a Clark spoon behind 
Uh, well, actually, all of them you can. But um, you still run the Clark Spoon behind it. But yeah, it's mayhem on those things. Like, <laughs> just if you're out there fishing by yourself, that's not a problem. But right. that's a that's like bringing a uh, some kind of into a China uh, It's like it's like bringing a, a a mass of razor blades over the back of the boat. You got to stick your hand. They're in flying the around everywhere. Flying around all no, over the place. Yeah, that sounds fun. But yeah, it'd be a little hectic. Yeah, a little hectic. You don't want doing it. Um, umbrella rigs. I'm going to try that. So I don't know if I should should say this because it's some I don't want anyone to beat me to this, but my goal for this fall trout fishing is I want to catch a limit of trout on one cast with an umbrella rig when they're really <laughs> thick. I want to see if I can get four legal trout. If we get them like we cast. had last year, it yeah, might work. Might yeah, to. I mean you can knock out some trips. Real, yeah, yeah, eight yeah. a day we're gonna catch <laughs> yeah. a limit. Yeah. But um, I think that, that would be cool, um, and I, I want to do it for real. You could yeah, easily stage it. Cast. Like you really need a bait caster for them, okay. like a heavier bait caster. <laughs> It'd be real. And, oh, there's one. You know, there's another one. <laughs> Just kind of load them up. But, I think um, another one. Um, I think another one that I used to run, but I don't run a lot. But that worked really well. That we didn't mention. Those are deep divers. Those are deep divers. Yeah, yeah. don't forget those. I I don't run them anymore because they are expensive, and there are other things that catch them just as well. Um, you know, for a quarter of the price. Mm -hmm. But I used to troll Yozuri Deep Divers and cast Yozuri Deep Divers. I love casting them and pulling them. If I'm casting, I love to cast them and pull them as fast as I can because you, I mean, those things do work. Um, But the problem... You get a lot of kings on those too a lot of times. You do. The problem with Yozuri Deep Divers and running, trying to run, you know, I mean, trying to run planers with Yozuri's... and you're running them in conjunction, you will have a lot of tangles if you're not real careful on how you set them. So for me, and then, then you've got the treble factor of two treble hooks and teeth. Yeah. So I I just, I'm, I'm old school, I keep it simple. I want one hook, I can sling that fish over, pop him off, pop that hook out in the box, sling the, sling the Clark spoon off the side, reset, boom, fish on again. Yeah. Like I don't, and I'm not spending, and when you're talking about 75 fish in a few hours, Two treble hooks are three it's fish. Slow you down. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking about numbers. Yeah. Two treble hooks and having to get pliers instead of just boom, boom, boom. It's set. It's, yeah, with the D hooker too and the Clark spoon. I mean, it's the easiest bait to D hook. Yeah, I don't even use a D hooker. Yeah. Just I grab just, the spoon and pop it. I just yeah. I grab the line, grab by the behind the head. Be careful. Get him out and go. I mean, I just hate those uh, the Spanish scales on my. Hands. Oh no, man! If you ain't got your hands all <laughs> looking like a monster, you're a yeah. You ain't in the fish. Well, is there anything else you think? We sorry guys, if y'all can hear my dog barking. He's, uh, he's angry at somebody apparently. <laughs> um, but is there any any anything else you can think of that we need to touch on as far as Spanish fishing goes? I think we got it covered. We had. Uh, let's see. Uh, you just touched it. Oh, let's talk one, one more thing. Deep divers. Are there colors if you're going to run a deep diver that you prefer? Um, I've caught it. I mean, I like the pink. So I like the the black and those darker back ones. I don't really get too crazy with it. There was a green back that did well, blue back. Um, but it's kind of, you know, like pink and chartreuse, um, pink and white. Um, you know, anything that looks natural, like a glass minnow with the green back, yeah. with the lighter bottom, mm-hmm. black back with lighter bottom. Um, I've got a plethora of them that I use. And, it, and I think the best I've ever done was like a darker black back with a lighter bottom. Gotcha. That's probably my best day I've ever had on them was with that one. Yeah. 
between that and the pink. Those deep divers are, are they're, they're, they're a great bait, but like you're saying, the trebles, that's just that when you're... Well, trebles and expense yeah. when other things work just as good for a quarter of the price. Definitely. Uh, you know, with a single hook, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd prefer, and I, I haven't even tried putting a single hook on a, on a Yozuri and just yeah. fishing them that way. I think, I think I'll do that. I think I'm going to put mm-hmm. a single hook on the back of a Yozuri deep diver for casting and give it a shot, and I think I'll love them yeah. if that works. Yeah, definitely. And I hadn't even really thought of that until we started talking about it. But See, there we go. Learning stuff tonight. <laughs> there day. was one more question I, th- I read that I forgot to say. Do you like to keep the trebles on the on the big Nick's jigs and your casting jigs, or do you switch them over to single hooks? Um, I just use the trebles yeah. because he uses really good hooks, Yeah, mm-hmm. and they don't bend. You can, you can really wrench on them with the pliers. I don't like trebles uh, in that, you know, when you're bailing them that fast. I would be better to have, I mean, the other day we could have used barbless J-hooks and it would have been a lot better. But when you've already got a limit in the boat and you're casting for fun, you know, yeah, switch up to some single hooks so you're not you're not damaging the fish and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But Yeah, their faces are fragile. Like if yeah. you're letting them go, and really you can, you can yeah. mess them up pretty yeah. bad. So yeah, talking about conservation, yeah, switch up to a J on them. Yeah. I do carry J's. I've got some with J-hooks. But if there's not a limit in the boat, troubles are going to are going to be what's yeah. on there um i i haven't found where a j-hook hooks them better or i typically like a j-hook way better than a treble i'm not a fan of treble hooks at yeah. all but on those the way they hit and they're slapping the back of it you usually get them really good with the treble for mm-hmm. sure well cool well i think that's uh that's it you guys uh, as far as spanish if you can't go catch a few spanish after that I don't know if you're ever going to catch it. Or you might be fishing freshwater ponds. <laughs> but, um, well, cool. Well, thanks for tuning in. We're, we're uh, I think it froze up for a second, it looked like. Um, but thanks for sticking with us. And we apologize for any glitches y'all might have seen. Um, and tell your friends and family about Eastern Current. If you did really like this, one thing you could do that helps us a ton is just share it on your Facebook page right now. And that just helps other people find it and check it out and if you want to book a trip with Ray to go smack the Spanish mackerel right in the face how can they do that uh, yeah if you want to learn how to set a planer and see how all these things go I mean I was going to bring a planer and try to explain that online but you could have been a Spanish yeah, yeah. If you, but if you want to see that yeah call me book a trip I'll show you real cool. quick what's your website uh, website uh, well I do Facebook and Instagram still working on the website um, we'll Sam, get you up there. Sam John's <laughs> talk to my man Sam John's tighten up buddy um Shout out to Sam and Riley. Um, <laughs> now the uh, do face I do Facebook and Instagram. It's Springtide Guide Service on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, cool, yep. perfect, perfect, perfect. And uh, Cameron, stoked to be uh, doing this again together. Um, that was a fist bump right above the mic. That's gonna sound really cool <laughs> on the podcast. But uh, you guys, thanks for tuning in, and we will see y'all next week. Later. All right. <laughs>